welcome to the Better Birth Podcast with Erin Fung, hypnobirthing instructor. Join me as I talk to industry experts about all things birth, pregnancy and beyond. Welcome to this episode of Better Birth Podcast. Um, I've got the lovely Ria uh, joining me today um, to have a little chat. Um, Ria, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Ria Lawrence. I'm a student midwife, a former doula, a paddy scuba instructor, a placenta remedies specialist, and now the facilitator for the Birth Network Lewisham. It's quite a new post, so don't ask me too much about that one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of hats. <laughs> Indeed. I feel like there's more hats as well. So if I'm if halfway through the chat, I'm like, oh, I'm also this. I'm also this. Don't don't be surprised. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's, there's probably loads that you've forgotten to say as we like get into the conversation. <laughs> so I just I'm I'm really interested to hear like more about you and kind of what your background is and why you got interested in the whole like birth world and like what got you started. Um, in like thinking about birth and wanting to do it as a career um I came to it relatively late I'm not one of those people that's like known they want to be a midwife from when they were very small but I do recall applying to study midwifery at least 10 years ago now and that was when um the good old days of when it was funded a fully funded NHS course so um I was unsuccessful that time then I sort of went away and didn't think about it for a while. Um, I've got an arts degree also um, before this new degree in student midwifery. Um, okay, yeah, so I don't have children myself, um, but I was sort of inspired by friends of mine who do and sort of noticing how, especially in the postnatal period, it can be quite a lonely sort of mm. isolating time when... I think there's a lot of um, focus on sort of the antenatal and the birth and then it's suddenly like cool go be parents yeah <laughs> so um, yeah I was curious about that and then I heard about this role called a doula and I was a bit like oh okay so I wasn't um, able to be a midwife but you know this version of it looks like something you could pick up with a bit less of a commitment than midwifery so I um, trained in 2017 with the lovely Nicola Goodall and Mars Lord of uh, Red Tent Doulas, they were now, uh, they were then. I know Mars now has her own sort of um, outfit called Abuela Doulas. Yeah. So yeah, I trained in 2017. I was actually qualified by 2018 because it was there was quite a lot of extensive um, like extracurricular work on top of the two weekends that we spent together. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, for me, it wasn't so um, suitable for me to sort of run my own business. So then I sort of started looking into the midwifery again. Mm -hmm. And of course, now that you pay for it yourself, they were like, yeah, come on board. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as long as you want to get into another, let's not talk about how many thousands of debt, then go yeah. for it. <laughs> so here I am. Yeah. First year, first year midwifery student. Oh, it's exciting. It's really exciting, yeah. yeah. It's a lot of work and I'm quite apprehensive about 2021 because 
um, unlike last year, um, so I actually started first year last because of the short period of, of illness. Mm -hmm. I've actually restarted, recommenced first year. Yeah. So last year we would do um, it in blocks. So you'd go to placement for six weeks and then you'd come back and sit in lectures and seminars for six weeks and then you'd go to placement for six weeks, on and on. Mm -hmm. But this year, I think because of the hour did last year, We've, we've just got placement from like January all the way to August. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit terrified because it was really nice to sort of be absolutely exhausted for six weeks on placement, but know that you sort of saw that light at the end of the tunnel and you were like, okay, you know, I've got three more weeks and then I'll be able to like, you know, debrief some of what I've seen, get back to my colleagues. Because I um, placement's a little bit more isolating. You know, you're just with your practice supervisor. Mm -hmm. Whereas um, at uni, you've obviously got sort of 120 of you. So, yeah, that was nice to sort of have a little break from each each place. But mm. um, there won't be any of that this year, next year, sorry. It's going to be full on. It's going to be full on. And I've already spoken to my colleague and just said, heads up, we're going to really need to like hold each other and like make sure no one gets too isolated and yeah I don't know maybe just put something in place to combat the inevitable just yeah. like it's not, so, it's not so much loneliness because you are so busy but it's more you see things and experience things and you do need to debrief probably every day and yeah. often there isn't the chance for that with your practice supervisor mm. at the end of a 12 and a half hour shift all you want to do is just like sign your hours off and get home mm. um so yeah, I've already said to them like, please can we have a Zoom call like at least once a month? Like even if it's just like my own personal therapy session, like that has to happen. <laughs> I think that's a good idea though, because yeah, you must see all sorts of stuff. Like obviously loads of amazing births and positive things, but you must see some quite traumatic things as well. And if you don't, if you don't get a chance to debrief that, that 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 can be quite. And take quite a toll I imagine like mentally on on a midwife yeah like I'm encouraged to see that that fact is being a bit more um like discussed and understood and acknowledged by the sort of educational format and by lecturers and by our practice supervisors but yeah I think it's just the nature of the beast in a way because we are student midwives we're not even I think the midwives themselves probably get off a bit lighter because they are, they have agency, they're in charge, they knew what was going on, they were involved in what were going on, what was going on, they, mm. you know, they know that they did everything they could have done. Yeah. Whereas a midwife, you're sort of, a student, sorry, you're sort of in this weird liminal space where you're not qualified, but you're not a service user, so... Mm. A lot of the time you just sort of feel like you're a bit in the way and this is awkward and how do I like stand somewhere that's not too visible but still aiming to get a, an eye on what's going on. So yeah, it's a tricky, tricky space. Mm. How do you, how did you find doula ring? Oh, that's amazing that you, you trained, you trained with red tent doulas like Mars. I, I, I've heard Mars speak and she's like amazing. Like I think it's, that's that's like huge that you trained with her. Um, so like, how, how did you find doing actually, actually doing the doula ring? Like, did you enjoy it? And 
Um, I loved the training, yeah, like Mars Lord is wonderful, Nicola Goodall as well. It was actually kind of her, it was more her training that Mars comes and does um, part of it because she's very um, focused on the twin and multiple side of things. So she brings that amongst many, many other things. But um, yeah, I loved the training. Um, Nicola's got a real like earthy... Um, like she's a plant and herbalist sort of person. So she knows all about, you know, herb medicines and essential oils, anything from the ground. So that was wonderful. Um, and lots and lots of experience um, amongst the two of them as well. But yeah, as I say, with the actual doulering, I probably didn't give it enough of a chance to be perfectly honest, because I was a bit like, oh, I'm not good at um, running a business. I want to just be able to serve women and do that bit. And so, I probably only gave it a year, really, um, before I decided to actually go the, the midwife route. But um, in that time, I did um, attend two births. They were both, um, I attended for free just to get some experience. Mm -hmm. um, so one was through, I think they're called Neighbourhood Doulas, which mm -hmm. is like a uh, a charitable organization giving doulas to disadvantaged women mm -hmm. and the other was just like a friend of a friend uh, Nicola actually put me in touch with her and yeah it was just like the first time I don't know maybe you can speak about your experience the first time that you're actually in a birthing space mm -hmm. just mind-blowing isn't it like I remember um I was so the lady I'm sure she won't mind me talking about this that and I'll just call her the lady so that's fine We're, we got around that but she, um the woman was on all fours and her husband was at the sort of um face face end and was mm. just coaching her through that and I was sort of to her side and just like rubbing her back and then all of a sudden I sort of looked down and I saw like another another face at this end and I was like whoa and I don't know, like, because I've never seen anything like that and I'd saw, I'd seen a face, I said, my a natural thing was, oh my God, congratulations. Mm. So of course, mum heard congratulations and thought like, oh, my baby's <laughs> here. <laughs> I don't hear any crying. It doesn't, probably doesn't feel like uh, she's here. So yeah, that was, that was like a big, um, like steep, scary learning curve for me because it was sort of like this uh, instinctual reaction of like oh whoa the head's here congratulations it was just out of my mouth before I had a chance to to get it and then I'm suddenly like oh my god a congratulations this is way too early for that word and b like what if mum didn't want the baby's first voice they hear that she yeah. hears to be mine and what if the yeah. mum want congratulations to be the first word that he heard so I'm just like oh my god what have I done I've like ruined this <laughs> um so that was a big steep learning curve but then yeah it was crazy how you saw the sort of I think it's called restitution when the head um moves like mm. around and then suddenly the the body was out and the rest was out and then it was just mm. this joyous magnificent shift in yeah. in tone so yeah it was yeah it was good it was good fun I loved my first birth never forget it oh it's funny what you said about um like running your own business because I think it's something that a lot of us who work in in the birth world um or who aren't midwives and are running our own businesses like I'm I do the hypnobirthing because I'm passionate about empowering women to have that positive birth and 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 educating them on their on their rights and and what happens in birth and all the antenatal information that's my passion 
but you can't get you can't do that without having to run a business and like doing all of your own marketing and you know um you know having to do your tax return and you know all of the admin that goes with it like it's a whole i mean i've probably spent more time on on you know that the the business side of things than i do actually teaching so i to i totally like i totally sympathize and like um empath empathize with that because it's yeah it's it's not it's not the enjoyable part of, no, of you know, doing that, doing that, you know, trying to chase after your passion and having to do all the, all the, like the, the business end of it is, it's, it was pretty, it's pretty crappy. Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I, also, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but I kind of started to sit because I was essentially trying to win clients when it's, when you're running your own business, it mm. felt a little bit like, um, probably exploitative is a bit strong, but like, when we, if you're a midwife, you know, all your work is coming because, in fact, I'm going to start that sentence again. Exploitative um, <laughs> is probably a bit strong, but, um, you know, you're sort of marketing at people that are in quite a vulnerable yeah. um, space. And yeah, that just felt a little bit off. And I, and I know lots of people, yourself included, aren't doing it in any, oh, you know, get rich quick way. Yeah. Because um, you're certainly in the wrong game if that's yeah. what you're up to. <laughs> yeah, tried to feel a bit like I don't want to have to chase down pregnant women when they're in that yeah. such a soft, softened space. But yeah, I think, I, I think the thing that I struggle, I struggle with more is so the way I see it is that if people are approaching me to come onto a, a taster session or they're contacting me, it's it's because they they have an interest in wanting to make a difference in in their birth, which which is great but what I struggle with is people not seeing the value of what I do and the courses that I teach like I find it I find it it almost breaks my heart when I hear or I see someone like on a discussion forum or whatever saying oh you know should I do a hypnobirthing course you know I don't know what, I don't know whether to spend that 150 pounds or on on the class or there's a, there's a there's like a buggy or there's like a cot or there's or should I spend it on something else or whatever whatever it is and I kind of want to scream at the screen going please spend it on antenatal education <laughs> I don't care if you do don't do it with me I genuinely don't care I just really really wish that every single woman who was pregnant every person that was pregnant mm. had some form of antenatal education and and some hypnobirthing because it would I mean, I'm not going to say that it would completely erase traumatic birth because, of course, it's not going to, but it would massively reduce yeah, the incidence of women having a traumatic birth if they understood what their options were and they understood, you know, how to how to influence what happens in birth and understand, you know, how much control they have over circumstances. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But, I think a lot of the trouble is, though, that people... Are fully aren't expecting to have a traumatic birth um, mm. and also possibly assuming that the NHS is going to give them all of that for, for free yeah and and also that the the midwives and the obstet obstetricians and the gynecologists in the NHS have their own specific interests at heart which actually a lot of the time they don't have time to get you get to know you as an individual yeah. so they can't have your specific interests, best interests at heart. Um, so yeah, I think there's a, a lot of sort of um, 
miseducation and um, mm. like misplaced expectation yeah. that women have of just like, oh, you know, they know what they're doing. It'll, it's going to mm. be fine. It's, it's kind of why I'm, I'm always so... Um, I'm always so happy when I get first time parents book on a course with me because it's like, Oh, you've done it first time round. Like it makes me so happy because I did hypnobirthing with my second child because my first, my first birth was far from perfect because I did what most people do and went, Oh, I can't influence anything. And you know, I'm just going to, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm not going to do a birth plan because it'll probably just go out the window. I'm just going to go play by ear, see what happens. And, um, and of course, like what happens is they were like, oh, we're going to book you in for an induction at 41 weeks because we know that we're going to have beds then. <laughs> we're just like, ah! like if I'm thinking about it now, I'm like, that's not a reason to induce somebody that you're going to have beds. Like if I had have known then what I know now, I would have gone, no, don't induce me. Yeah. Uh, and then I had that kind of, you know, the typical um, ended up with an epidural ended up with an episiotomy, very nearly had an instrumental delivery, had awful like recovery afterwards, like all the stuff that probably could have been avoided if I hadn't have accepted the, uh, the, the induction, but I didn't know because I hadn't done any antenatal education. So yeah. yeah, and I think that's quite common for lots of, lots of people. They kind of yeah, just- Yeah, I totally relate um, to what you're saying about when you meet first time parents who are actually you know, putting the the effort and the time and the money into um, into researching because yeah, look, I, there was sort of a period of about six months where every parent I met had this horrific first birth story that then sort of precipitated this you know empowered second one. Yeah. Like, oh, how do we you know how do we get them to that place without them having to endure that first? Mm. So yeah, that was kind of like a big bugbear of mine for a time of like how do we get first-time parents engaged and, and knowledgeable of the system that they're going into or yeah. or what to expect so yeah I totally yeah. relate yeah so tell me talk to me about your placenta um uh encapsulation um business because I'm like everyone that, that knows me knows that I'm like huge advocate of placenta encapsulation because I had I I did it with my third babe it's again like hindsight I wish I'd done it with all three but I didn't know really know about it until I had my son and then it made like such a big difference like it's amazing but I think that was sort of a desperate attempt at what after after I trained as a doula I was kind of like okay so what you know what else can I add so I'm not just like hi doula here um, so I looked at PRN, um, the Placenta Remedies Network, and trained mm-hmm. through them. Um, and also on our course for the doula training, there was a quite an extensive reading list. And Robin Lim's, um, oh, the book is called uh, The Forgotten Chakra, and it's all about placent- placentas. And yeah, like reading that, I was just like, whoa, yeah, this is pretty nuts. Like, it's the own, it's like a temporary organ that is just there for that small yeah. time and then and and people are just sort of got not giving that any reverence or like respect or you know just oh just incinerate it with as medical waste once it's been once you've had a little cursory look at it yeah. so yeah that got me really excited again and I I'm so glad I trained in that because it's just such a like it's such a nice way to be involved with people's um, pregnancy and birth because you're not the doula so you haven't been up all night you're not 
responsible for how the birth went you literally just get a phone call from this like gushing partner most times who's just like oh my wife's been talking to you um I'm a dad and you're like cool um we've never met but I'm on my way so yeah that's just just, so nice it's kind of like you know all the crazy bits gone yeah turn up and just like basically sweeping and sweeping like a hero it's it's great um so yeah such a huge difference that postnatal period absolutely yeah like um obviously it's it's difficult what you're allowed to say about um the benefits because a lot of the evidence is sort of um what's that word qualitative and um anecdotal so but yeah like what people have reported about the um three days so you know like three days postnatally you often have a massive dip in hormones you're sort of teary and lethargic and just feel awful so yeah like the idea um is as a placenta remedies specialist is you get the placenta right away as quick as possible and get it back to mum as quick as possible so i usually it's usually within 24 hours Mm. so then mum's been taking the capsules for a day or two before that three day dip mm-hmm. and so they have there is widely reported that um you know your hormone balance remains much more level uh, you've got a bit more energy uh, milk supply possibly a bit better and yeah, yeah sort of general well-being sense of well-being but yeah i mean obviously you can probably speak to that a bit more about what you felt well, yeah i mean so i remember my my doula um called me on day three after my son was born and she was like how how are you you know his day three and I was like I'm fine like it was weird because obviously I've given birth twice before and like I had I had really bad postpartum uh depression with my first and then I had definite baby blues with my second and with with him like honestly I kept on waiting for like the other shoe to drop like I was like, what? I know that. Like, I know. I know it's coming. I know it's coming, but I I don't feel bad at the minute. And it just, it just never happened. Like, I, I, I I couldn't say to people, I just, I feel fine. Like, I feel, (laughs) I feel really good. (laughs) It's really good. I don't feel any kind of, you know, I don't feel sad. I don't feel any kind of anxiety. Like, it made, it did make a really, really big difference for me, really big, which is why I mention it to all, all of my clients when, when we do courses and we talk about this third stage of labor and your placenta options. Um, I always talk about um, placenta encapsulation. And I think because a lot of people think about placenta encapsulation, they think it's a bit icky and like, you know, because people think about placenta smoothies and things, which is, which is also an amazing option. But I think encapsulation specifically, I think is a really it's a really nice option for, for a lot of people because you know you're just you're just popping a pill like or if you get a tincture or something like it's not even that is it it's just like yeah I think that's a lot of water. what I really like about it you know like I take because you know it is an organ so it is bloody and see mm. like you can't get away from that fact um so yeah I sort of take it at that stage and bring it back in this lovely sanitized packaged up um option but also I don't think it helped that you know I don't like him at all I loathe to say his name I've not actually read any of his books though you know that Adam Kay guy mm-hmm. and I think in his first book there was a sort of very sensationalist story about a woman like literally sort of biting into a placenta yeah. raw yeah which, I mean I don't know anyone that's chosen to do it that way so it was a bit um 
it's a bit annoying when things like that come out because then you're sort of having to yeah battle against that narrative of like oh it's gross and it's just for weirdos <laughs> but even i mean we're all mammals right and it's one thing that I, t I teach in my classes is is you know we're mammals and we we're giving it's a mam mammalian birth right we we yeah, and that, which is why environmentally our, our primitive brains crave all of the kind of environmental um uh circumstances that other mammals crave when oh, we get totally like darkness space exactly and you know lots of mammals consume their placenta after mm -hmm. they give birth yeah. and and if 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 mammals are doing that they're doing it for a reason there must be a benefit genetically you know evolution there must be a benefit from consuming your, your placenta yeah. so it's not that far-fetched and mind-blowing to think that we could benefit from consuming our placentas because we are still we, we're you know we're higher evolved but we're still mammals at the end of the day yeah, sometimes uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm more evolved than my dog but yes <laughs> allegedly <laughs> yeah but yeah no i'm a big believer i'm a big big believer um and yeah it's, it's it's a weird one for me because if i am blessed to have children i would I'd sort of have to toss up between doing a lotus birth, which I'd love, mm. and, but then obviously that sort of makes placenta consum consumption a bit more difficult. So I think I'd probably opt for um, a little smoothie, yeah, made from a small piece, and but remain um, attached, yeah, so that I can do the lotus birth. I think that's probably the optimal way for for me. Yeah, that's interesting. I've, I don't I don't know anybody that's had a, a, done a lotus birth. Um, do you want to do you want to explain what a lotus birth is? Because there's probably yeah, lots of people. Sure. That so some women choose to um, let the um, cord snap and baby detach from the placenta naturally. Mm -hmm. So I think it can take uh, several days. Um, I do know a couple of people who've done it, um, and a third who's planning to do it uh, in January. Mm -hmm. And yeah, reportedly, I think my friend took about four days, but she said it was like a really gentle um lovely way for it to sort of transpire because she well, this was her experience that she said she felt like he really arrived at that time like he was sort of a bit more ethereal and sort of ghost-like I guess until yeah. the, the full um detachment happened and then it was mm. kind of like oh he's here like he's really here outside now and that was really touching to to hear about from her um because I, I do feel that the, the cutting and the severing with scissors is so very like jarring and it would be for anyone let alone somebody who's sort of been floating around in this little yeah. you know gorgeous little um sack for nine months and suddenly mm. just here with everything so yeah I think that would be for me that would be why that would be the motivation to do it I saw I saw on, on, on Instagram today as really really gorgeous set of photos which i'm planning on resharing um later on this week but there was a really nice set of photos of uh, people of people doing a cord burning which oh. is like another like a different option um yeah, it's just another thing like people don't realize that you have all of these amazing options like you don't mm -hmm. have to have birth doesn't have to be this on your back in a hospital bed in the hospital with all the drugs i mean there's nothing i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that if that's no, the, the birth that you have but i'm just saying it. that like there are other there are options and you do get to choose those options in a lot of a lot of circumstances but yeah, so, i always say if you don't know what your options are then you don't 
have any because how can you determine what to choose from so it's interesting to like you know hear all these different different um perspectives and different options from different people yeah because i wonder like i mean 10 years ago at least for me it felt like the prevailing sort of imagery of birth was like a white sterile hospital room Mm. and lots of like machines and people in gowns and masks Mm -hmm. and gloves and I don't know whether it's because I'm now in sort of saturated in the birth world so I've seen a lot more variety or whether things have changed but there does seem to be a bit more of a a pushback against that one image and now we're looking at sort of home births and candlelit and um midwifery led units and yeah like options like the candle um burning idea instead of just the cord and and cutting so i hope it's not just because i'm now in the birth world i do i I and i do get the sense that we are expanding what is available in terms of birth i know the um national maternity review which was four years ago now um and that was i think they looked at they looked at maternity services across the whole nation and it was sort of like 64,000 respondents. Mm-hmm. So it was quite a big review. And yeah, some, like a lot of what they said was we need to be personalizing care more. So, you know, letting people know that they can birth at home or they can birth in a midwifery led unit or they can birth in the obstetric unit. It's not just, you know, labor ward, one size fits all. Cause like you say, for some many, many women, that will be perfect, but not for everyone. So. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think there is a shift. I mean, again, like the same as you, I don't know how much, I don't know how big a shift there, how big the, that shift is mm. because I've been on my own personal journey, like from the very kind of stereotypical hospital obstetric obstetric unit birth experience to like my last birth was a home birth um and that's because my own knowledge has evolved and changed but i hope i hope it i hope people are becoming more aware that they do have other options um i mean one of the things that i do i i I always um ask everybody in my classes is to visualize a woman giving birth and then I put up on the screen, or on the screen because everything's online at the minute, but I showed yeah. them pictures of um, the kind of images that we see of women giving birth when we're watching a TV show or a film. And it's always women in a hospital gown um, giving birth. Don't worry about the dog, it's fine. <laughs> he just wants to join in. <laughs> We've done well to get this far, to be honest. <laughs> Yes, yeah, sorry. So they're usually in it's a hospital. It's always women. It's always women on their back in hospital in a hospital gown with somebody like screaming in their ear and they're red faced and sweaty. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, is this what you were imagining in your head? And a hundred percent of the couples that I have, have have spoken to have always said, "Yep, yeah, that's what I was thinking of." No one. And then I showed them a picture of someone, you know, in in a water birth with all the twinkly lights and dimmed lights and you know, um, home birth and no one's ever said oh that that's what i was thinking of yeah okay so probably it's not as prevalent and that hasn't changed yeah the years that you've been doing that exercise no so it's interesting it's a great exercise we did something similar um in a equality lecture the other day so we were asked to think about what does a professor look like and Mm -hmm. despite the fact that none of our none of our midwifery lecturers or professors are male 
mm. we all were like a white middle-aged man yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of you know chinos and yeah and yeah so it's strange how long these things take to break down and and change because yeah even we don't have any male lectures but we all still have that ingrained idea of lecturers as male so well, i think that's because we're we're conditioned to to think of certain people and certain circumstances in a certain way like when we think about birth that is why 100 percent of the people that i teach think of that slightly traumatic very hospitalized version of birth because if you think especially since i've been teaching i've, I've noticed it more but every single time you see birth on the tv in the film you know on a tv show it is always that very hospitalized traumatic sweaty red-faced woman kind of image of birth we don't see you know any kind of positive imagery of birth so we are conditioned our entire adult life to think that that's what birth looks like yeah there's and possibly again this is because i'm in the birth world but there's definitely been i've definitely seen more images of like close-up shots of of um like vaginal deliveries than yeah. In previous years and I know there was a bit of a sort of scandal about whether that's permitted on social media sites and stuff you know because obviously it's not pornography but it is female genitalia so um, and also um, like sort of talking about periods and blood and things like that definitely has come into the fore more in the last sort of decade so I think change is happening but yeah it just takes such a long time to unpick the previous conceptions yeah. and yeah i think it's down to us to kind of be that change though like when i was so when i was training to become a hypnobirthing instructor obviously i was watching lots of birth videos and my daughter she was seven at the time and she was like what are you doing mummy and i was like i'm watching a birth video and i thought and she said can i watch it and i was like i thought well yeah why not I, I'm, i've already spoken to her about you know where babies come from like not graphically but she understands the kind of concept of how babies are made um, so she knows that baby's inside the tummy and and how it got there and i thought well if i'm going to normalize birth and i want her to understand that birth can be something positive i'm going to let her watch the birth video you know it's i i i've already watched it before so i, I know that it's not it was not going to be like something really really traumatic it was quite graphic um yeah. But she wasn't phased by it at all um you know and she kind of sat there and watched it with me and i was like what did she think he was like no yeah, it's fine it's okay it's interesting and then she yeah. kind of skipped off and that was it you know it's like no big deal and i yeah. think if more children you know were kind of exposed to maybe not really graphic videos but you know some level of normalization of birth then it wouldn't it wouldn't Absolutely. be that kind of traumatic of birth and of our bodies and of breastfeeding mm -hmm. like definitely there's a wonderful um international board certified lactation consultant called emma pickett and she's got a few books that are sort of aimed at prepubescent or teenage girls and talking about boobs not in just the sort of biological way that probably mm. you and i only ever saw them spoken about in books so that's yeah. great yeah i yeah it's interesting that's, that's why I, I think it's I didn't have my kids um, in the room when I gave birth because it was the middle of the night and they were asleep. Mm -hmm. But I do love watching those videos where, where people 
you know, mm-hmm. giving birth and, and the kids are in the room or they're in the pool with them. Yeah. Or I saw one gorgeous video of a girl, um, she caught her, caught her baby brother or sister. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was the first person to pick the baby and lift the baby yeah. out of the water. That's it's like, it's so beautiful. beautiful yeah. Yeah, really, really nice. Definitely. My dog's going to be my birth partner, for sure. Like, <laughs> she's my best friend, so it has to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. He'll get the oxytocin going because he's like exactly. familiar and comforting, it. right? <laughs> like, no, get the dad out of here. Where's my dog? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. Oh, so I've really enjoyed talking to you, Ria. Thank you so much for joining me and, and having a chat it's been it's been really really fun mm, definitely fun yeah I could talk to you all day <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm such a chatterbox <laughs> well, hopefully we can record some more podcasts in the future as you go through your midwifery course because I'm sure that you'll have lots of things that you learn about that you will you'll, you'll be you know you'll find interesting and passionate about sharing with everybody absolutely so. yeah i'd love that maybe um schedule one for august and hopefully i'll still be clinging on to the about your your huge long placement yes <clears throat> good luck thank you Godspeed. i'm sure you'll be amazing <laughs> it's going to be an experience but i'm sure you'll be amazing oh thank you okay take care take care loads of love bye The Better Birth Podcast and all of its content is for educational and informational purposes only. You should consult your midwife or your doctor for anything in relation to your own pregnancy and birth. The opinions and the views of the guests on the Better Birth Podcast are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Better Birth or Erin Fung.